0: podcast series talk retail to me where we offer insights and realistic advice from experts in the retail and consumer brands industries if you're new to Parker Avery and this podcast we are a leading retail and consumer goods consulting firm with over 600 years of collective experience both as consultants as well as leadership positions in the industry our firm uniquely combines deep industry experience with consulting expertise and world-class talent to deliver meaningful results our approach allows us to build successful, long-term relationships with some of the most recognizable retail and consumer brands in the world. If you're interested in learning more about the Park Avery Group, we invite you to visit www.parkravery.com.
1: Good afternoon. Today I have with me Lee Whitaker and Rob Oglesby, both industry experts and senior managers in the firm. Welcome gentlemen, thank you for taking some time out of your busy uh, client schedules to ride along this podcast adventure with me. We wanted to talk about a recent publication, it was published in June of 2020, and it's titled The State of U.S. Logistics Report, and it was collaboratively published by the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals, consulting firm Kearney, and transportation company Penske. The subtitle, appropriately, was Resilience Tested, and I think we can all agree that resilience was and continues to be a key theme for many retailers and consumer brands this year, and individuals as well. So let's jump in. Lee, I'll put you on the spot. You had initially shared this with the firm a couple weeks ago, and it's a pretty lengthy report. There's a lot of information, lots of charts and stats, and some really timely information by sharing such a report, I know you found a lot of value. So what are your top three takeaways? Sure.
2: Thanks, Tricia. I'm happy to be here and joining Rob. Um, so, you know, I don't usually assign 72-page <laughs> reports to the, the firm on a regular basis, but when I do, I try and make them worthwhile. Um, no, seriously. <laughs> um, you know, I just really found that it it met a had um, had a really nice balance between kind of the the analytics, so a lot of the visual analytics that are included in it, as well as just some great reference or resource material. So, you know, I, I viewed that this document as as really just another tool for the for the firm to really take advantage of if the opportunity uh, you know provided itself when working with clients. So, you know, I did yes, I did actually read all seventy two pages, including mm-hmm. footnotes. But it could easily just kind of be, you know, dropped into if you're looking, you know, working with a client on a specific topic in the logistics area and just kind of pull a lot of value out of it. But to your question on, you know, the three main takeaways, the, the biggest takeaway is even though they do touch on the impact of the pandemic onto the logistics industry, I mean, we really don't know the full story yet. Right. So it's right. not over, you know, personally as well as professionally. And so where, where are we going to end up from an impact to the logistics, I'm not really sure, but it gives a, certainly gives you a preview of kind of where things are heading, right? Is, is there more consolidation? Is there more, you know, increased adoption of technology? I mean, there's a lot of different ways um, that the logistics sectors were impacted and that the report does a great way, a great job of, you know, filling, you know, speaking to those. But really, you know, the big takeaway is we're not through this and next year's report will probably be, you know, hopefully be able to tell you the complete picture. Uh, The second kind of big takeaway, I would say, would be, you know, technology investment wins again. Throughout this report, it's very clear that um, there were opportunities um, generated by this pandemic. And in some cases, there are positive opportunities. And in other cases, there were, you know, kind of save the company opportunities Mm -hmm. and that the firms that were positioned with earlier or more advanced technology uh, investments were better positioned to address them. Um, when it speaks to resilience, um, you know, they they had a little more strength in being able to fight off some of the negative impacts that this pandemic brought. So I just thought it was, a you know, another interesting example of those that invest in, you know, in technology, if they do it the right way or a little more proactive thinking are better positioned. And resiliency probably popped up as kind of one of the new additional benefits of that technology investment. And then the third key takeaway was there's a lot of activity in the 5G space in the logistics area. The, there's, a, there's a relatively um, robust section of the report that speaks to kind of the outlook for 5G in general, but then really speaks to the specific areas within each sector where there are already pilots underway with advanced features and functionality leveraging the 5G infrastructure, uh, which I thought was, you know, for me, um, was, was really eye-opening. Now I have a personal opinion that I question whether 5G is really on the cusp of you know, becoming a thing for logistics providers just yet. But nonetheless, that was a, that was a big takeaway for me.
1: But while we were preparing for this, Rob, you, you kind of alluded to some eye openers around the 5G. What are your thoughts there?
0: Well, you know, I think uh, yeah. I guess really what it boils down to is is it's slowly but surely turning the world into a local area network. As a, and as a result of that, you're getting essentially, you know, in-office speeds regardless of where you are. And to me, I think that's really the game changer because specifically as it relates to logistics, you know, stuff's in motion. I mean, it's not in an office. And to be able to have that kind of visibility is, is, is absolutely amazing. I did a project about a year and a half ago with one of our clients and it was about a five-year plan for, you know, for their their transportation strategy and so forth. And, you know, one of the key things that they were into was visibility uh, and being able to have that visibility across, you know, multiple facets of their supply chain. And, you know, 5G is definitely an impactor there. But, you know, I think this pandemic as well has really kind of spelled out that need. and, And also a lot of things that are sort of on the fringe or kind of intersecting with you know logistics and 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 the supply chain itself, especially as you think about sourcing and so forth. You know, if you if you really think about the fact that essentially you're extending the network globally almost uh, with with the advent of 5G, that I think that's really where the game changer is. And I thought it was interesting in the report, really kind of looking at what's going to happen in the next couple of years versus what's kind of future. Yeah. And even the evolution of the of the uh, use cases. You know, the ones that are kind of in in play right now, but. You know, there's still things that people haven't thought of yet, I'm sure.
1: So you kind of alluded to this, Lee, earlier. It looked like pre-COVID, the logistics industry overall was already beginning to position itself for resiliency so that the recovery, as we're experiencing, won't be quite as difficult. What are some of the key actions that you saw in retail and consumer goods that will contribute to a faster recovery? Yeah, I I mean,
2: the things that jump out to me... Kind of in a, in a general way are you know it, it feels like retailers and consumer good companies um, have really kind of turned up their flexibility uh, and in some cases it leverages technology but I, I think just in general I feel like the retailers are being a little more flexible in how they're approaching uh, problems or you know business challenges and in, in you know, hand in hand with that they're really getting creative I mean I think some of the examples that jump out to me are, you know, kind of how they're tackling it is kind of the whole stand up of a lot of omni-channel related activities, you know, during the lockdowns and, and, you know, various governmental, you know, rules and regulations on what you're able to do with retailers to serve customers. I mean, I think there's a number of stories out there about people standing up, you know, buy online, pick up a curbside. A lot of it's done with kind of Duct tape and, and bubble gum behind the scenes, but nonetheless they're getting creative and, and really seeing, you know, the urgent need to do something for their customers. And so they pull together as an organization and you know develop a solution that probably isn't the long term one. And if they had more time and there wasn't a pandemic in place, they would probably be a little more planful and thoughtful how they design it. And we would encourage them to do so. But nonetheless they step up and they you know they pull something together for the you know for their business and their customers. Um, and then I think, on the other, on the flip side of that, you know, aside from doing things for their customers, I mean, I think you know, I I've seen a lot of retailers really show a, a high sense of care and concern for their associates. And so, whether it is flexibility with you know working conditions and working hours, and providing um, protective gear and the work from home flexibility, it just speaks to everyone acknowledges that no one's not impacted by this pandemic, and that. You know, it just seems like, you know, since we focus on, you know, retailers, they stand out to me as really just being really an adaptive and, and flexible in how they're approaching their business as well as their associates.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, from my perspective, you know, it was a wake up call that if you weren't already thinking about it, you sure as heck better think about it. Yeah. Uh, my current client actually, uh, <laughs> they, they actually did stand up this. A, a total duct tape and baling wire uh, curbside service earlier this year. they had zero Omni capabilities. In fact, that's what I'm doing for them is getting that stood up so that when they hit season for next year they' they're going to be ready to go. but um, it was it was pretty remarkable what they were able to do in a relatively short period of time, um, you know just with their store operators and so forth. you know but I, and I think what it really boils down to is is that you know this get anything within hours mindset that the consumer is starting to get used to, uh, you know, centered around folks like Amazon in particular. And, and then you look at Amazon as where they started and what they are today. I mean, heck, they're, they're as much of a logistics network now uh, as, you know, as almost any of the big the big carriers, whether it's UPS, FedEx and so forth. I mean, you see Amazon planes in airports. Uh, you know, the cargo planes and airports. So they have they have really kind of extended their 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 reach because of the control mechanisms that they need. And yeah, you know, I think retailers in particular need to make use of the fact that if they've got storefronts, that's proximity to customers, and they've got to continue to get more and more flexible with how they get product to their customers, uh, including delivery. Um, in my mind, and it's funny because I'm actually traveling now, and I'm actually in a in a headquarters environment. And I almost never go out for lunch. I, I have lunch brought to me almost every day. And, um, you know, so, so utilizing those kinds of services and that kind of loose network of logistics providers, heck, they're barely even shown in, in what we're seeing here. And, you know, it's, it's, it's big into a couple of, of, of sectors, but, uh, you know, definitely prov- proves to be some interesting stuff there.
1: So one of the call outs was, although few anticipated the crisis, Carrier and shipper behaviors have almost universally been described as exemplary. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, you know it's an interesting statement. Um, I didn't necessarily pull out any real strong, concrete examples. I guess in, in reading through the document, so I, I could have missed them. But uh, I think in general, it really just speaks to like the magnitude of the event that everyone was faced with. Right at the end of the day, no one is being not impacted. Or no one's not being impacted by this pandemic. And so, you know, it's very much probably just comes down to a we're all in this together mindset, right? That this now is not the time to try and, you know, stick one to your competitor or to take advantage of, you know, something. I think it just speaks to that everyone everyone's kind of pulling together to kind of work through this the best they can and you know when we get to the other side of this then it'll be the time to kind of move forward and, and be more competitive uh, or machiavellian if you will um i i just it just really feels like you know it's such a big event you know it's a global event that let's just let's pull through this together there's 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 more to be gained getting through it than to trying to have a minor win amid amidst it but
0: that's kind yeah, of my thought. Yeah, I, I would agree, Lee. I, I think with what we've seen, and especially it's there's so many moving parts here, right? Yeah, and again, I think the way the document was laid out was you know you know talking about ocean carriers versus rail versus the truck trucking three pls right. freight forwarders, you know all these different factors or uh, you know portions of this, plus the technology, of course you know, they were all impacted. And, uh, you know, again, the airline industry in particular with all the passenger planes getting shut down that got rid of, you know, the capacity in, in the air side of things. But there was also, again, things started in a different part of the world that it, it, it became a supply problem initially with, with China having a shutdown and so much not coming out of that country, you know, so that kind of dried up things. And then, and then it just ripple affected you know, across the rest of the globe. So all these different pieces and parts really kind of hit, hit very differently. And, you know, for me, what strikes me is that also kind of looks at more of the macro level on, you know, how does all this stuff fit together? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because, I mean, in fact, there was one, one statement in there I was talking about, and I think it was in the 3PL section, and was, you know, is it low cost, is it fast, or is it visibility? You know, they, they kind of looked at three things as what's most important. In reality, is visibility is probably not that important if everything's fast, because before you can get visibility to it, it's already there. I mean, the cost obviously is always going to come into it, but visibility and speed, you know, tend to kind of go, go in different directions. But but now you fast forward into this situation, and the visibility, along with the ability to make decisions and make changes to what you're doing at any point in time, and have that flexibility in your supply chain, is mission critical. And I think that's really where you know, the 3PLs and the freight forwarders are, are starting to really lift, and you know, in, in the client that I was working with a year or so ago, that was part of what they were looking for help with, uh, but that, that integration between you know, the, the retailer or the consumer products, you know, their internal systems and being able to make decisions based on where they know demand is and then communicate that back out, you know, those kind of integrations are just of tremendous value, and I think that's also kind of this, we're all in this together. Uh, being able to, to flex up and actually rather than keep things moving to park the goods someplace. Don't like that idea in the long run. think it's a horrible idea to, to back beef up safety stock. The supply chain needs to be fixed in other areas, but in the short term it is, it was what it was and you had to do, you had to do those kinds of things. So right. a lot of these companies were able to tap the flex like that. Yeah. And I think even from a, my personal experience as a consumer,
2: you know, I, I, I know there's been a number of instances where I'm shopping online and, you know, putting things in my basket and my cart getting ready to check out. And there's a little note attached that says, you know, due to the pandemic or whatever, you know, please, you know, we're experiencing longer than expected shipping delays. And it could be anywhere from, you know, seven days to 10 days to process, et cetera. And you know, I'm fine with that. You know, at the end of the day, six to eight months ago, well, probably the call eight to 10 months ago, if that would have popped up on my screen, I probably would have said, well, What's your problem? You know what's going on here. I want it now. And just the fact that we've lived through as much as we've lived through in these last you know eight nine months, when I see that note, I'm like, okay, they're being honest. I don't know how they're impacted. I have suspicions about how they're impacted, but you know what? I can wait seven days for that package from from Amazon or wherever it may be. So. Um, Unless you know, it's toilet paper. <laughs> well, yeah, yes, yeah, that's true.
1: Some certain sort of things. Yeah, there's the the essential stuff, right? And, you know, we I'm a small a small business owner as well, and we've ex- experienced the same thing. So it's about ex- setting expectations from right. the customer side as well as the supply chain side, because it, it impacts each other. We've we've had wood issues where the quality of the wood that we use to create our products has been compromised and that's resulted we didn't realize what was going to happen but but we've had to do some remakes because the quality's gone down costs have gone up construction you all know that's that's happening um with roof shingles right. and things like that so even small businesses and big businesses have been impacted but it's a matter of setting those expectations because if we can't now that we understand if we can't get that quality product the quality raw materials we have to push out our customer expectations from a delivery sure, standpoint sure. too. So it's impacted up and down. You know, one of the things that surprised me, I think I read this correctly, is that 40% of cargo is on passenger planes. Did I read that right? Yeah, I circled that. I, that shocked me. I
2: think, it's 40, I think it was 48% is what the stat was.
1: Okay, um, it, yeah, so it's even more. So almost 50% of products are on passenger planes. So that impact had huge ramifications up and down the supply chain when the airline industry, the domestic airline industry, was shut down. Were there any other pieces of information from the report that surprised you guys?
2: I mean, I, I touched on it earlier. Honestly, the thing that really jumped out to, to me was the whole idea that, you know, 5G is kind of the next big thing in this space. I, I would, have, if, if I had been asked before reading the document, What's the you know the next big thing? 5G wouldn't for me would not have been on there not because I I know anything more. It's just not on my radar screen as much. You know even though, you know you look on the TV and that's all you hear about from the the mobile carriers is the 5G network. I just did not translate. You know that, that it was going to play. I would have said it was artificial intelligence and machine learning since it that's kind of been on the radar screen the last you know three to five years. that that, that would have been my my guess an incorrect one at that so it really just and and then you know it goes into further talk about you know all the things like like rob mentioned earlier of all the pilots that are in place and all the kind of short-term benefits from 5g and some of the longer term so there's a lot of exciting stuff in that space that you know is really coming and will you know impact customer viewpoint but also every kind of logistics sector as well so i was actually really excited to read all that's going on there even though i just don't it doesn't feel to me like the infrastructures there right now to support it because you know I, you can read articles that you know 5G network is live in in New York City on certain blocks, right? right. So what's that? What, you know, how's that going to help me if you can only get real-time inventory if the truck is between 48th and 50th Avenue, right? <laughs> um, so it, it was really just surprising that they invested a lot of time, you know, got out in front of you know the 5G being there with not a whole lot of really public use cases even though there's a lot that are talked about that are kind of going on behind the scenes
1: mm-hmm. right Rob what what surprised you the most was it again the 5g conversation or something else
0: yeah I don't, I don't know that was I don't know that I saw that many surprises I mean I, I did find the 5g stuff pretty fascinating for sure and, and just kind of thinking about it and then like I said earlier just the oh wow yeah I hadn't thought about it that way. Uh, as of yet, other than just, you know, it's a faster network, you know, you get things downloaded more quickly and so forth, which is, you know, kind of what's going on. But again, you know, kind of having that, you know, really that Internet of Things uh, concept of, of extending into, you know, all, all these products that are moving all over the place. And it's not just the container that's necessarily got the beacon on it, but, you know, the individual products, whether it's RFID and how that ties into not needing a lot of power to actually, you know, stay on the network and be awake for quite, you know, for the entire journey. But, you know, to me, I, I think one of the things that, uh, and it's not, it wasn't the purpose of this report per se, but I look to other things that are going to further impact the supply chains that exist today based on what's happened. And, you know, one of the key things, and, and I've mentioned this before, in fact, I think in our, our podcast we did a couple of weeks ago, we talked a little bit about this. And it really gets down to, how companies, especially in our sweet spot industries and in retail, are sourcing. Because that's also gonna impact the supply chain. Mm-hmm. And by that I mean, you know, do I need to expedite on an airplane when I'm closer to my consumer? I don't have to put it on an airplane because I can truck it or rail it, uh, or even maybe put it on a boat, take it up a coast as opposed to across an ocean. Uh, much faster because I've gotten closer to my consumer and I think you know one of the key things that this pandemic has taught a lot of retailers is you know these nine six to nine to twelve month lead times from product thought process you know from the entire PD, uh, product development life cycle is is too long yep. you know and and you're missing out on the things so I, I think you know to me that's that's something that is probably going to start hitting this kind of report in the next couple of years, especially if people really get serious about, you know, it's not just about the lowest first cost. It's, it's about the, the entire cost of, of, you know, what it takes to bring something to market and so forth. And I think, um, you know, that will, that will further impact what's going on with, with uh, you know, in logistics itself.
1: Absolutely. You know, I thought about our conversation with that podcast about sourcing as well when I was reading this, a lot of, lot of parallels. So well, to wrap up, and another podcast I listen to at the end, the host gives her guests, quote unquote, their minute to the world, something like that anyway, for any last thoughts on the subject that they're talking about. Lee, since you brought us to this point with the logistics report, I will let you go first. So world, sure. I give you world, I give you Lee Whitaker.
2: Okay, um. So, number one, this was, and and this was kind of a really interesting, eye-opening thing for me, was this was the 31st year of this report. And I will come out and say, I am 30 years behind reading them. Um, (laughs) So this year, this is the first time I've kind of been exposed to this report. And you know, in the midst of the pandemic, I'm actually super excited about next year's report because it will have the full, hopefully have the full 2020 impact. Of the pandemic across these sectors, and I think it's really going to be eye-opening, right? So you're going to see a lot, you know, a lot of the data and analytics that um, were shown in this in this year's issue only have a partial year, right? And they, of course, they certainly are very strong trend, either up or down, depending on what you're measuring. So it will be really, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing the full year impact on those um, those um, visual analytics to see how the trends have changed through the course of 2020 and if we actually see hopefully you know, uh, a U-shaped recovery in place uh, across a lot of the, the sectors and the various economic impacts. So, you know, that's, that's, that's the one thing. And then the, the second piece that I would say is technology and the value of technology comes out of this report, Through it, it runs through through this report and the benefits. But you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't say you know technology is only one piece of the answer, and unless you really have very strong and well design, designed and defined processes um, supporting that technology, I think we've all seen a lot of bad things happen when companies just go after the shiny toys without kind of building up the processes and to that extent, the change management training and sustainment activities that help organizations truly leverage these great tools. So mm-hmm. this report gets you really excited about all the great technology that's around the corner logistics space. But I would say, you know, caution your readers and, and retailers that might be thinking about leveraging it. Don't forget your process and your change management.
1: Yep. Excellent. Okay. Rob, your turn. World, I give you Rob Oglesby.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Richard. So I think the big takeaway for me is I think this report's going to look a lot different next year, um, especially given the data on it. And so it came out in June. So we were, you know, a, a, lot, of, a lot of the areas of the country, at least the United States, were co- starting to come out of the higher lockdowns and so forth and starting to emerge. So you know, obviously there was a ton of data that they were able to use for the first couple of months in April, May timeframe. But I also feel like what's happening here is, is that the consumer behavior is more than likely has changed significantly for, for the going on future. So you know, one of the call outs for me is they, they kind of touch on the last mile uh, on a couple of cases here. But I think the last mile in itself is going to be one of the most interesting aspects of what this is going to look like for the next couple of years. And you know, it, it gets into the technology, of course, and you know, I'll give you an example. Of, Something interesting that happened to me just yesterday, uh, you know, going back to my food delivery. Uh, yeah, I ordered something from a restaurant through uh, one of the food delivery companies. And, you know, you would have thought that the driver who picked up the order would have automatically been routed through the app that they used to, to know that they need to go pick up an order. So I'm looking at this thing on the map, and the guy's going the wrong direction. I'm like, well, where the heck is he going? He calls me. He goes, you know, I, I don't know where you are. I'm saying, well... You know, I'm, here's the address, and, and I, I guess he keyed it into his GPS, wrong. I'm like, well, what, what in the world is happening here? So and I, I know it's a, a kind of an off-tangent story here, but, but it really kind of goes to clearly those things are not fully baked. I mean, even though they've come a long way, there's a lot of interesting interactions and integrations that have to happen between all these you know, relative, somewhat small businesses, franchisee owners, what have you, that are linked into a network and so forth. Uh, but again, that gets back into you know again the, the the way this technology kind of fits into things, and again those consumer behaviors, and then lastly, I have to believe that the consumer products companies, the retailers out there that are having to go out design and source product, have got to think through you know how how does the supply chain as as a whole can be leveraged so that we can cut significant amount of time out of things so that decision making can be done at the last minute as opposed to, you know, months in advance and so forth. And, you know, th- those are those are the things that I really looked from a key learning out of this. And let's hope that uh, when they come out with this next June that truly it is in the rearview mirror. I mean, you know, I think the next couple of months will will we'll say a lot uh, as we try to learn how to operate safely without shutting everything down. Because I think that's the, the, you know, I think we learned that shutting everything down is not the right answer. But, and I think, I feel like we've gotten to a point where we've learned how to uh, operate relatively safely, even though we're still uh, running some challenges here in the U.S. Uh, and elsewhere in the world with, with the spikes happening again.
1: Yeah, and we haven't even gotten into holiday 2020, so that may have implications we haven't even thought of yet. We'll see how it goes. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for your time and insights today. Another great discussion. As an aside, I continue to be astounded with the depth of knowledge our team has. I really do. Um, and of course, I look forward to having you both on another podcast again soon.
0: Thanks, Thanks. Tricia. Happy to be here. Thanks, Tricia. Really appreciate the time. And uh, definitely fun, as always, to to, to chat.
1: So that wraps up today's episode. We hope you found value in the content and in the discussion. If you have any questions and would like to reach out, please feel free to visit our website at www.parkeravery.com. We also invite you to join our conversation on LinkedIn. Just search for the Parker Avery Group.